Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. Today on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our discussion on biblical decision-making. In our day-to-day walk with Christ, we refer to Scripture for answers to our everyday questions. We believe, as we should, in the sufficiency of Scripture. However, many questions we have, especially with regard to decision-making, aren't addressed by Scripture in a black-and-white fashion. On the other hand, Scriptures emphatically command us to do the will of God. This obviously implies that the will of God is knowable. Let's continue with our study of 1 Corinthians chapters 8, 9, and 10 as Pastor Jim continues with today's slice of the message entitled, Decision-Making and the Will of God, Part 2. Well, we are talking about the will of God, as a matter of fact, decision-making and the will of God. I could say this is the second of three sermons, but at least in my head, it's the second part of one sermon. Maybe after I finish the third part, it could be a helpful thing to edit it all into one sermon. It would be about two and a half hours long by the time we'd get done with it, and that's probably not going to happen. But I want you to remember that we're looking at a package deal, and this is the middle slice of it. You need to do the will of God. At the same time, God tells us that He has given us everything in His Word that we need for for life and godliness. So how do we properly use what God has given to us when we are doing His will? Well, it's not as confusing as you might think, not as confusing as a lot of people might make it seem to be. We're, we're doing this now because in our Wednesday night studies, we have reached the section of 1 Corinthians that goes from 8, 9, and 10, and that's the right place for us to talk about how to use our freedom in Christ to make the best decisions that we can. So for a little while here, I'm intermingling our studies uh, on Wednesday nights with our sermons on Sunday morning, and then when we get to Easter, we'll go back and we'll finish up the book of Mark. But this is number two of three on decision-making and the will of God. Marshall will tell you that I kept working on this and working on this and working on this, and I finally came out of the room yesterday, and I said, I am way beyond anything I could say tomorrow morning, and I didn't even come close to what I had prepared. So we'll, we'll whack it off And next time we come back to this, we'll do our best to finish it. But here's where we're going. This is the the one sermon in three installments, decision-making and the will of God. Point number one, the big things, the little things. Point number two, what's at stake? And then new territory for today, what not to do. And then what to do is what we will conclude with. Now, what do we mean by the big things and the little things? I'm not going to review because we really have a lot to cover, but I did review last time for you 
eight, you might call them big things, that the Bible expressly says this is the will of God. If you ignore these things, you know for sure you're outside God's will. So those are crystal clear. The most important one above all else would be God's will that you be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. God, our Savior, who desires, that's the word often translated will, He wills all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, last time I gave you what I called an avalanche of Scripture to make the point that the Bible does not tell you to go out and seek to find or to discover the will of God. The Bible tells you to go do the will of God as if the will of God is already known because it is because the Bible contains the moral will of God. And so the emphasis is on doing God's will as opposed to searching for God's will. Now, here's the key, and this is the umbrella under which all of everything else that we say falls. The Bible is sufficient for everything you need to know in order to know God, to serve God, and to honor Him by your behavior. A couple of classic passages here is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us, past tense, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. And how do you get to know Him truly? through His Word, which He has given to us. The other passage we could equally well use would be 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, where all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, everything you need for life and godliness. So there are big things, and then there are little things. There are things that are trivial. Yes, you had to make a biblically informed decision about what to wear this morning. Probably not a lot of eternal consequences or eternal rewards associated with doing that, but you can handle that thing. But what about all those things in between what we might call trivial and those things that are specifically said to be the will of God? What about those other things? Well, there are also decisions that you make, and you make them every day, that aren't just trivial. They could have a significant impact. So look at what's at stake in the decisions that you make. What's at stake is your testimony before other people, how you represent your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, how you serve the Lord. Uh, Even your eternal rewards are at stake. I also pointed out to you before we left last time that at the moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you immediately were drafted. You were drafted into um, the spiritual war on God's side, of course. It is the war waged by Satan against God, against His Word, and against His people. So last time I 
finished up with a little list, a good summary from David Paulison's book, Safe and Sound, Standing Firm in Spiritual Battles, which I highly recommend to you. You can listen to that sermon if you haven't already done that. In other words, I want you to understand that the decisions that we have to make regarding doing the will of God in our world, they have to be made in the midst of battle which rages on enemy territory. Hence, the subject of decision-making in the will of God. It's very important because there really is a lot at stake. Now, we've laid a lot of groundwork in getting that far. The big things, the little things, what's at stake. And now, I want to move on to what not to do. Now, when I teach homiletics, when I teach preaching, when I train young preachers, I tell them not to do what I'm going to do today, which is not complete a sermon, but stop when we run out of time. We'll put the whole thing together. Just have to keep coming to to get it all. Okay, when it comes to you doing the will of God in the world, there are a lot of things that you would hear, ideas and catchphrases and mottos and sayings and, and, and proverbs. Uh, many well-intended suggestions about the will of God, and most of them have at least some element of truth to them, but many of them are not helpful, and we need to weed them out of the process of decision-making. So for today and our third and final study on this, I want to focus on what not to do, that's the bigger list, and then what to do which is a lot simpler, especially when you understood what's at stake and what are the big things and what are uh, the little things. So, before I share specifics about um, the suggestions that I want to get into your mind, you need to know that there are two aspects of God's will. Call them aspects. I guess maybe you'd say two different ways of viewing God's will or two perspectives on the one will of God. But it it comes down um, to um, seeing that God is sovereign, He's in charge, He runs everything, and His providence is His invisible hand in the affairs of mankind, working out His sovereign plan. There was a time when, during the rebellion and the apostasy of His people Israel, God spoke to them through the prophet Isaiah, and He said this. Now remember, the setting is He's speaking to people who are way off base. They're in rebellion, they're in apostasy, there's idol worship going on, and here's what God says to them through Isaiah. Famous words, Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things long past. What's He doing there? He's calling them back to His Word. Remember what I did that brought you to this land, that made you this people. Remember the former things long past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. And then his self-description, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, 
my purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.